Chapter 16 of The Life of Philip Melanchthon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley, Llano County, Texas, USA. The Life of Philip Melanchthon by Carl Friedrich Lederhose. Translated by Gutlob Frederick Crotel, 1826-1907 Chapter 16 The Convention at Schmalkald We have before referred to the proceedings instituted by the elector when he received notice that Pope Paul III was about to convene a council at Mantua. The Evangelical States appointed a meeting at Schmalkald, February 7, 1537, in order to deliberate whether they should accept the invitation to attend the papal diet or not. The elector, at the same time, as Luther informs us, commissioned him, quote, to arrange articles of our doctrine in order to see if it should come to this what and how much we could and would yield to the papists and which we finally intend to adhere to End quote. this led to the so-called schmalkald articles which were very properly adopted among the confessional writings of the lutheran church when he had completed this work the theologians from abroad Amsdorf, agricola and Spalatin, met with Luther and Melanchthon in Wittenberg in order to discuss these articles before they should be delivered at the meeting at Schmalkald. The document contains three parts. The first relates to the doctrines of the Divine Majesty, in which both parties were agreed. The second part treats of the articles, quote, which refer to the office and work of Jesus Christ, for our salvation. End quote. 1. It speaks of justification by faith alone. From this article, it declares, quote, We cannot move or let anything fall if heaven and earth should fall. End quote. 2. They treat of the mass and invocation of saints. 3. Of charitable foundations and convents. And four of the papacy the third part included the doctrines of sin of the law repentance of the erroneous repentance of the papists of the gospel of baptism of the sacrament of the altar of the keys of confession of excommunication of ordination and vocation of the marriage of the priests of the church, of justification and good works, of monastic vows, and human ordinances. Luther says, quote, These are the articles to which I must and will adhere until I die, if it pleases God, and I know of nothing in them that I can alter or yield. But if anyone wishes to yield anything, let him do it upon his conscience. End quote. These articles, which are composed with a truly Lutheran vigor, 
were highly approved of by the theologians. They subscribed them in Wittenberg. Melanchthon also signed them, and added these remarks, quote, I, Philip Melanchthon, also consider the above articles right and Christian. But concerning the Pope, I hold that his superiority over the bishops, which he otherwise possesses, should also be conceded by us, jure humano, according to human right, on account of the peace and unity of those Christians who now yield obedience to him, and may do so in time to come. Luther had disputed this human right of the Pope in the article on the papacy, and surely not without good reason. For a Pope, as he was now presupposed by Melanchthon, had never existed in any place. If he accepted the gospel, he was no longer Pope. He could not longer be Pope. It was clearly an erroneous yielding to the powers on the opposing side and must be explained by Melanchthon's timidity, as is manifested in his letter to Viet Dietrich, January 20th, quote, When I think of the convention and of the terrible conflicts which I believe will arise there, I shudder all over my body, end quote. The elector was highly pleased with Luther's articles and did not agree with Melanchthon's view of the Pope, for he saw very well that they would by this expose themselves to future suppression and extermination. Towards the end of January, Luther, Melanchthon, and Bugenhagen departed for Schmalkald, although Melanchthon's health was seriously affected. They passed through Torgau, Altenburg, and Weimar. In the latter city, Luther preached before the retinue of the papal nuncio. He was not afraid to complain that the kings and bishops hated the evangelical party more than the Turks. On the 7th of February, they arrived at Schmalkald, and eight days after this, the convention was opened. But they had not been here long when Luther became very ill with violent pains of the stone. Immediately every attention was paid by the physicians of the princes, but in vain. Luther begged Melanchthon to send for Dr. Sturz of Erfurt, in whom he reposed great confidence. Philip wrote to him, quote, I beseech you to come at once, and do not fail when such a man is in danger, End quote. He took Luther's illness much to heart, which he manifested in all his letters at this time. He wrote to Jonas, quote, Let us pray to God earnestly that he would preserve him and restore him to health. End quote. Luther did not wish to remain in Schmalkald any longer and had himself conveyed away. When he was riding out of the gate of the city, he turned to the friends who were escorting him with these words, quote, God fill you with hatred against the Pope, end quote. This legacy to those remaining behind was faithfully taken to heart by them. The object of this meeting of Schmalkald was, as Melanchthon stated in a letter to Jonas, partly thoroughly to discuss doctrine in order to promote uniformity in all the churches 
and partly also to deliberate to which articles they would adhere to the last, and in which they might yield should any hope of peace appear. This, too, was the elector's plan, but it did not succeed, particularly as far as yielding was concerned, because the more determined theologians were altogether opposed to it. They entertained the opinion, which was no doubt correct, that to yield would be explained as inconstancy both by friends and foes, and the emperor would only press them more urgently because they seemed to fly. Even a closer comparison of doctrine did not become popular, doubtless because they feared that if disunion should arise, the league would be broken. Luther's illness and departure also interfered with the deliberations. The theologians, together with Busser and Blaurer, who represented the upper Germans, as well as the princes, continued to adhere to the Augsburg Confession and the Apology. They also subscribed the Schmalkald Articles. Melanchthon wrote to Jonas that, in order they might not be idle, and play the part of dumb persons, they had received orders to write something in regard to the power of the Roman chief priest. He applied himself to this task, and confesses himself that it was sharper than he generally wrote. He still entertained the opinion that the council should not be rejected unconditionally, and did not wish to dispute the Pope's right to call such an one, even if he should not be considered judge. Those who were more determined, granted that some of the reasons of Melanchthon were acute and true, but they were not expedient, for even if they should promise an attendance of the evangelical party in this council, their opponents would interpret this as a submission to the right of papal decision. He himself could not deny that his views were somewhat dangerous, and finally yielded to the majority. But it drew forth sighs and complaints, which he poured into the heart of his friend Camerarius. But he also confesses that the lawfulness of the good cause affords great consolation, let the consequences be what they will. The imperial ambassador, held a decided enemy of the evangelical party, was to receive their answer. They informed him that they could not approve of the Council of Mantua, and therefore begged the emperor to provide a free council. Held made many objections and promised that the emperor would see to it that everything should be lawfully decided in the general council. However, the evangelical states were not satisfied with such general declarations. They delivered a written statement prepared by Melanchthon, both to him and the papal nuncio, Bishop Vorst of Aix in which they justified themselves for declining to meet with the council. He proved in a thorough manner that there was no divine right constituting the Pope the head of the Christian Church, and that he consequently deserved no obedience. He also disputed the power of the bishops, because it was merely founded upon human regulations. 
The princes and divines assembled in Schmalkald were so highly pleased with this work that they subscribed it with joy. During this meeting, the theologians present felt themselves urged to recommend a proper appropriation of the possessions of the church to the princes. They said in their address, quote, May your electoral and princely highnesses, for God's sake, take this great want to heart, and exhort the states that the possessions of churches and convents be principally retained for and applied to the support of churches and schools, which will be for the glory of God and the good of the people, and will also prevent their dissipation, which would injure the church, government, and country. The princes received this address in a very gracious manner, and the Landgrave of Hesse declared that in this thing help must be given by deeds and not merely by words. Thus the convention was brought to a close, and Melanchthon rejoiced to be able to go home again. On the 14th of March he returned with Luther, who had recovered again, and whom he found on the way to Wittenberg. He could not thank God sufficiently that his friend Luther was well again, and in all his letters he calls upon his friends to thank the Lord for this. On the 16th of March he wrote to Agricola, quote, I was seized by a peculiar sorrow when I saw Luther's danger. I was moved to it by the loss of the church, but also by my love for this man and my admiration of his distinguished and heroic virtues. I could not but be greatly troubled at the danger of such a man. Therefore I heartily thank God and our Lord Jesus Christ that he has looked upon our tears and sighs and has restored Luther to health. In another letter he calls upon Spalatin not only to be thankful for this, but also to pray God that he would preserve such a teacher for his church for a long time. End of chapter 16